This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Colton Bly is the Director of Coaching for Beaver County United near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've been aware of Colton's work, and I've been trying to get him on the show for quite a while. We finally made it happen. And I spent the majority of this interview asking Colton questions about what it's been like trying to navigate the traditional USSF coaching education pathways while simultaneously being a 343 member. His answers and experiences are fascinating. In this episode, Colton provides some great insight into the world of the newly redesigned USSF coaching courses. He also admits that the training sessions he runs with his actual teams would probably fail to meet USSF standards, but his product on the field is what matters most. Colton talked about the need for coaches to understand that they shouldn't feel restricted to doing things a certain way, which is absolutely true. Coaching education is not one size fits all. Colton's story paints a good picture of how he's been able to take the best of both worlds to create something of his own. That's what coaching is all about. It's an art, and the best coaches are usually the ones who refuse to color inside of the lines. Now, Colton is hoping that this episode and his stories and his experiences can serve as an inspiration to younger coaches. Young coaches, like Colton, should start the process of figuring out their vision dialing in their core exercises, and working on their execution and delivery as soon as possible. And that's kind of the reason for this podcast and actually why we offer the membership program in general. Because in addition to supporting and funding this podcast, a 343 membership actually gets you an education that helps you develop that better vision, refine your exercise library, and gives you video and audio examples of coaches executing in real training sessions and real games. The 343 membership is the complete online resource that helps you reduce your trial and error time and helps you get right to the work that matters. You learn the cutting edge training techniques that have been proven to develop better and smarter players, better and smarter teams, and better and smarter coaches. The 343 coaching education program gives you additional education from eBooks, audio interviews, question and answer sessions, and online forums for networking and collaboration with other 343 members. To learn more and to explore all of the benefits of being a 343 Coaching Education member, the program that Colton is actually a part of, and to also help support this podcast, please visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 3, 4, and 3, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. All right, let's get into today's episode. I hope you enjoy this conversation with 343 member Colton Bly. Hey, John. Mr. Colton Bly. How's it going? <laughs> What's up, dude? How are you? Oh, good. Good. How's everything out there on the West Coast? Dude, it's actually a rare rainy day here where I am. And it's been yeah. weird. It's been a weird <laughs> winter for us. Like we've gotten hit with some gnarly storms that aren't aren't typical for us. I don't know if you heard like a, about the, like the mudslides and evacuations and stuff in no. Santa Barbara. No, I haven't. Wow. Yeah, it's just it's an area of California that you know, you think is pretty much just like postcard, like picture perfect. 
and then yeah. it, it got devastated by a storm in December, Yikes. I think. And mm -hmm. they're still recovering and they can't really like get everything finished because they keep getting hit with like more like with like the next wave. And so they just evacuated everybody the other day yeah. and it's, you know, just wow. round, it's like round five, I think. Wow. Yeah, that's it what it's like over here. That's what it's like over here with the snow, man. It's just like every three days, six inches, eight inches, sometimes a foot. Like we're just getting hit late in the year. But not, snow's snow's common. <laughs> yeah, not not to like downplay the size of like the storms that hit you guys though, but it's almost like you guys are used to it. Like you guys know how to handle it. Oh and, and, yeah, like, the cities know how to respond. Like for us, it's like uh, it's not sunny and seventy. Like what do we do? So yeah, so <laughs> people people that grew grow up in this area finish school and move away to like a you know a Florida or a Texas or a California, uh, wherever they might get an inch of snow. And they'll like say the whole town goes crazy and the school shut down <laughs> and up here we can get hit with, like I said, a half a foot or a foot of snow. And if PennDOT gets it all off the roads quick enough, there, there will be school, you know, you know, yeah. sometimes a two hour delay, but yeah, it's, it's common up here. We're, we're used to it. That's for sure. I should, I should probably backtrack and say that it wasn't just like rainstorms that got us. It was like some gnarly fires that you know kind oh, of like, i remember yeah, yeah so I remember those, those. those yeah those made national news and it was the fires mm -hmm. that kind of softened up all the ground and then like when the rain hit the rain wasn't necessarily like terrible but it turned everything into like mudslide central and that's really what wow. what did everybody in so yeah but just not stuff that we're used to here it's supposed right. to be it's supposed to be you know like it is in the movies and for 350 days out of the year it literally is so yeah yeah, right, sounds nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, enough about the weather. <laughs> let's yeah, uh, let's talk soccer. Let's talk soccer. So, uh, let's see. Let's see where this conversation takes us. I don't really have like a like a plan. I'm okay. Gonna go in, I'm going to go into this with the intention of kind of I guess picking your brain about your experience as a three four three member, and then mm -hmm. also you kind of taking this this the track of ussf courses as well because you're you're on like a parallel track with progressing as a coach you're learning from from 343 you're learning from ussf and then you're having to implement this with your teams your players your clubs your area so i'm really yep. curious about how you've been able to kind of manage both of those and then mm -hmm. when they when they collide you know like it for instance, in a C course, like they're, they're teaching you one thing, but maybe you're doing something different in, you know, your, with, with your personal teams. I'm really yeah. curious how you manage that collision. And if there's anything on either side that you've kind of changed your mind about, or that's changed your mind about coaching, uh, and, and where, where you are kind of, you know, questioning certain things. So that's kind of the idea I had going into this podcast and let's, let's see where, where that takes us. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, let, let's start with, with kind of giving people an idea of, of who you are and what you do though. So tell me a little bit about yourself and, and the coaching situation that you're in now. Okay. So I grew up in Bradford, Pennsylvania, which is just this super small rural community in Northwest Pennsylvania. I mean, Buffalo's an hour and a half North Erie, Pennsylvania, which most people probably won't know as well is an hour and a half West. Pittsburgh's three hours south. So we're kind of in this triangle just in the, you know, 
the Allegheny Mountains. You know, very few people have heard of Bradford. If you have a Zippo lighter, it was made in Bradford. But <laughs> other than uh, other than that, um, it's a town you won't hear much, very much about often. Um, so anyway, I, I grew up in Bradford, played in the local club, spent a little bit of time with a uh, kind of a higher level club because uh, it was the level I wanted to be at if I was going to get serious with playing. But like I said, it was such a distance away. It was working out for a little bit, but eventually I decided uh, things would, I don't want to use the word easier, but I just decided to keep playing uh, with the local club and eventually moved into college, actually played my college soccer in the the town and the, or the university within the town studied uh, health and physical education, coaching on the side. During this time I was playing college soccer. I started having some lower back issues. So I knew my playing career was coming to an end. Um, so that's kind of how I got the the dive in the coaching, the, the college head coach, my head coach, he was, he was my first mentor and, you know, right away, I, I hadn't even known about the licensing pathway. Um, I mean, I knew, well, I was aware of it. I knew he had his A license and uh, things like that, but he got me started on how, how to actually go about doing it, you know, finding the lower level courses at the state associations and eventually getting to, I don't know, I guess they call it the national pathway once you do your CB and A license. So when I was still in college, I did my E license and my D license was able to stay around the team, <clears throat> excuse me, as kind of a student assistant coach. So um, I remember waking up because the team had to train from 6 to 8 a.m. I remember waking up at like 5.15 in the morning just to you know go to the fields with him to set up the, the training session. And it was dark, you know, we didn't have any lights on the field. And I remember turning on the headlights to my SUV to shine on the field next to his car just so we could see what we were doing. And you know, keep in mind, college season, September, well, late September, October mornings in Northwest PA, not the best weather, you know, it's really cold, <laughs> but I, but, but I loved it. You know, I'm like, this is, this is great. You know, if I can be waking up so early in the morning to do something so little like this, imagine what I'm going to feel like when I have my own team. So I knew right then and there that I was going to end up coaching and I wanted to pursue it for a living and a career. So like I said, I did my E license and my D license was able to get my foot in the door with the local club that I played at coach, the U 17 boys. That was my first head coaching role. I think I was 20 years old or 21 years old, coached them for a year, moved down to the under 12 boys. Um, from there, I think the following year, which was my last year with the local club, I coached the U 18 girls, well, kind of helping out the U15 girls on the side and also uh, coached the the Bradford High School varsity girls team that season just for one year. And then at that time, I was just finishing up my C license. So this is funny. I kind of remember a tweet that you said one time, John, where you needed a C, pretty much needed a C license to have a full time job. And you were right. You're dead. <laughs> you're 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 dead on. Because, you know, I'd be checking the job boards of NS, I think they were called NSCAA at the time. U.S. Youth Soccer, just every single day. I remember clicking those links, refreshing the page a couple times throughout the day, just looking at you know jobs that were being posted: B license minimum, A license minimum, a few C license minimums uh, for full-time work. And I remember 
the morning I had seen the position for a director of coaching job with a club called BC United. BC stands for Beaver County. Beaver County United, just north of Pittsburgh. They're looking for a DOC, C license minimum. Um, good starting full time starting job for a coach looking to make a career out of it. So I applied. Uh, come to find out, they screened over 40 candidates and decided to go with me. So I feel very fortunate to be uh, given this role with BC United. I actually move, make the move to Pittsburgh in a couple of days. I mean, I've been visiting, going back and forth a few times just to check in and get comfortable with the environment. But I moved in down in a few days. Uh, we have a tournament this weekend at Kent State University. And when we get back, kind of our spring season is getting underway because that's when we'll be able to train outside here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you can't do it right now. But uh, yeah, that's kind of, that kind of takes us to today. And that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm curious about that interview process or the, the selection process. So you said you were up against 40 other candidates. What do you think made you stand out in in that selection process? I am so glad you asked because 343 plays such a big role in this. <laughs> I um, didn't ask with that intention, though. I'll say that. Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Um, they called me after I had a couple phone interviews with them, and they said, hey, we'll be in Harrisburg for the, the Adidas Classic Tournament. Come on down and meet some of the kids, the teams, the parents. And like, all right, sure. So I went down. I had that. That was the advantage. I, I, I had the advantage of meeting them in person where I think according to them, all the other candidates were from far and wide. In fact, a couple, a couple, according to them, a couple UEFA A licensed coaches or and UEFA pro maybe had applied from Spain or some country in Europe, just something crazy. They found the job description and applied um, or the job posting. So I, I had the uh, advantage of going down and meeting them in person. And where 343 ties into this is I remember vividly the director of the club took me out to dinner with his family. And we just went on. We just completely geeked out talking about things in the U.S. that we wish were in place that aren't topics like promotion relegation, not just I'm going to quote Gary word for word here. It's not just a, just not as a league format but just how so many things could change if we had an open pyramid in this country. And I think his eyes were like doubling in size when I was talking to him about the whole thing. Like, I think he, his, you know, he was just like, wow, this makes so much sense. But all that conversation, he ended up telling me later after they offered me the job that, you know, we really saw the passion in your eyes and you understand something about the structure of soccer in this country that most people don't. And with that, we think you we think you can bring something here um, that other candidates can't because their whole mission, something that drives them is how uh, pay to play prices out so many kids and families in this country from playing competitive soccer. BC United was formed to offer um, high level coaching and a competitive environment at a fraction of the cost that kids might pay for at you know a club that charges fifteen hundred two thousand or more a year. So all of that um, is kind of what led me to get the job offer. It's exciting, dude. And, and it, yep. it is, it is always interesting, interesting when you sit down and you have a conversation like that and, and not saying that the person you 
were out to dinner with wasn't aware of you know those types of problems but he probably right. or the or the club in general is is probably not having those conversations as often as maybe they would want to and so having somebody like you come in that's you know passionate about something like eliminating pay to play or providing other opportunities for the kids to, you know, play for cheaper, um, just getting more, just giving the kids more access to high quality coaching. Well, that, that's something that the entire board would then feel kind of like energized about. And yeah. I, I can, as you're talking, I can kind of feel your energy. Like, yeah, like you're super passionate and you want to come in you want to get to work. So I'm curious, you're moving to, you're moving to Pittsburgh in the next few days, what, what's like numbers one, two, and three on your agenda of what you want to, of what you want to get started with? Well, yeah, I think about this all the time. Uh, cause there's so many, there's so many things. Uh, first off, I have been talking to the outgoing DOC who's actually moving, moving into a technical director role. So he's still going to be here and speaking with him about kind of, you know, the club's identity, how they want to play soccer, the, the unique structure of BC United. So BC United has six partner clubs that are kind of just rec recreational travel type of setups where we provide, um, we provide advice and training for those clubs as well. In addition to BC United. So just understanding the unique structure of the, of the club and our, our partners, and just basically a curriculum, man. I, I understand that a curriculum isn't the silver bullet to developing elite players. Culture has to go into it. Um, coaching has to go into it. So being able to bring in coaches that not only embrace what we're trying to do with an identity and a style of play, but actually also have the charisma and the skill set to improve the players. So if I were to answer your question, though, I'd say number one, a framework, a philosophy for the club um being able to bring in coaches who are then able not like i said embrace the philosophy and then actually have the skill set and are able to teach it and probably third uh just grow our presence in the pittsburgh area i say pittsburgh but it's a lit it's outside of the city it's a little bit north in the county above pittsburgh called beaver hence the name of the club beaver county united so yeah, we're the, they are somewhat new, and I just want to help them grow as quickly as possible. Have you have you seen that meme that's been floating around lately? That's like, where are you from? And then you say like your small city, and then people ask like, oh, where's that? And then you say like a like a bigger city that's nearby, and then they're like, I I don't know where that is. <laughs> and then you say like the next major city. So like I would say, oh, I'm from San Luis Obispo. Like where's that? Oh, next to Santa Barbara. Uh, where's that? It's L.A. Okay, I'm from L.A. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, at least where I grew up, Bradford, we can't even say somewhere nearby. Because like I said, I mean, the biggest area nearby is Buffalo, but that's in New York. And the next biggest area is Erie. So if someone asks you where you're from and you you grew up in Bradford, you, you just say Northwest PA. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Uh, I'm curious. So I I wasn't going to ask you to, to reveal this, but I feel like it's kind of important, actually, now that you're kind of telling okay. your story. So uh you're a young coach how how old are you i'm turned 24 a few months ago so yeah 24 so you're you're on you're definitely on an accelerated path so now you're in this director of coaching role or director of coaches role and you've you've kind of you know 
I don't know the right way to say this. You've, yeah, you, you've just taken an accelerated path and yeah. you've obviously had to have some success on the field in order to kind of get yourself into a position like this. So I'm curious, when did your vision and your ideas start to come to life on the field enough that you were confident in like applying for a job like a DOC or like a, any type of, you know, leadership role? Right. So like I said, when I first started, my first head coaching role was with a U17 boys group. And from the very beginning, I, I knew how I wanted my teams to play. All right. Much, much like a lot of other people in this country who admire the Barcelona and what Pep's doing, attack minded possession, high defensive pressure style of play. Right. And from the very beginning, I, I knew what I, how I wanted the, my U17 boys to play. I just didn't know how to get there. I had, I had an idea in my head, like, okay, I want them to play possession style. I want them to play possession soccer. So let's do possession activities. And we all have, you know, we all have our embarrassing stories about things we used to do right before we kind of grew and uh, got better. So I remember just doing, you know, unopposed technical warmups that I kind of took or adopted ideas from after reading the U S soccer curriculum, uh, just stuff, you know, from there would go into things like seven V seven plus one or eight V eight plus two. And just this 40 by 30 yard area, no positions or anything, just move it quickly. And there was no underlying tactical theme and would play uh, an even number game and maybe finish with something like finishing. So that's how I was, that's how I started off. And much like the rest of us, we all sought out the information, right? And how did I do it? You know, I read the curriculum. I read U.S. soccer best practices, which is like even older than the curriculum. I don't know if you can find it nowadays. Oh, I, I have a printed version actually sitting like five feet from me. So. Oh, is that the one? <laughs> it's like it's the front cover picture is like someone taking a corner kick, right? Yeah. And it's just like this purple illustrated cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny you have. I don't, like I said, I, my, my, mine might be buried somewhere, but that's how I got my information. And did were my boys applying the things I was teaching them? I think so. I, I think ref looking back on the games, they were keeping possession and kind of embracing the style of play uh, better than other teams. At least we had a style of play. I mean, we played in a league that was low level. So, and I, and I was lucky to have a group of uh, good players and we did well. And maybe at the very beginning I thought, okay, I'm, I'm doing pretty well here. Maybe I'm doing the right things. And then I turn around the next season with an under 12 boys group. And that's when I, I think, cause I'm trying to remember the year I came across three, four, three, maybe 2014 or 2015. Nah, yeah. 2015. So when I was with this under 12 group, um, that's when I came across three, four, three and Brian's work. And my mind was just blown with like these Core, the, the the choreography, the rehearsed movements, the methodology being used and how it was actually translating to the game successfully. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this is this is what I've been looking for. Like, this is it. And I started I started doing that with my under 12 boys group and we were doing OK. Uh, the 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 ideas were translating to the game pretty well, but we were still being exposed and I think it's just a balance of uh, and, and some games having a having a facing opponents with a far superior roster. And on the other hand, it's it was just me not 
sticking to things enough. You know, that's a message Gary and Brian are passing all and you as well are passing all the time. You have to stick to this stuff over and over and over again. So that's when I got the three, four, three bug and I still have it. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to lose it. <laughs> uh, so the following year is when, uh, first off they the school district hired me as the varsity girls soccer coach. Um, I was wrapping up my degree finished up my student teaching was going to look for, you know, to stay busy during the day, substitute teaching, which is kind of like the common thing, recent education, or if you graduate with a teaching degree, it's kind of what you do right off the get go to get your foot in the door for a full time teaching position. So anyway, I, I got the job coaching the high school girls team. And so on the club side, they gave me the U18 girls. So there was kind of continuity. So I'd be with them 10 months a year. And I'm like, okay, this is a great setup. Um, um, I, I'm continuously evolving in how I deliver my methodology. I think I could really make something special happen with this group. And, you know, we were working, we were working, uh, maybe training three times a week consistently the entire year, you know, in Pennsylvania, you can only train outside six months and then you have to train inside for maybe, I don't know, maybe it's seven, five months outside, seven months inside, something like that. It's almost half and half. We had the luxury of having a pretty nicely sized indoor complex uh just on the other side of the border in salamanca new york where we would train during the winter and i stuck to i was still a kind of a 343 beginner i was sticking to the core activities kind of at the same time finding my own identity as a coach and forming my own game model so every now and then depending on what week and our whatever week we were in whatever we were teaching that week I would sprinkle in kind of my own positional rondos or own rehearsed movements. And it was, we were really starting to build something special. And, you know, I, I knew, keeping in mind, I knew I wanted a career in coaching. I wasn't going to be able to do it at this club in Bradford. It was just a small, very, uh, very small scale club. So toward the end, when the high school season wrapped up in Halloween time, yeah, is when I was applying for this BC United job. So I was, it was devastating. I had to leave this group of girls that we were starting to do such good things with, and they were doing so great. I loved working with them. But at the end of the day, I, I want to make this a career, and I had to make the move to Pittsburgh to do it. So I went off on a tangent there, man. I can't even remember what you asked me. <laughs> um but I think it was something about how I've evolved in my approach and that's kind of how it's happened. And I'm still building, man. I, I look <laughs> back, I look back on myself every few months and I'm like, wow, what was that guy doing? You know, <laughs> that's yeah. just the, the, the never ending trial and error cycle. That's interesting. You mentioned something like that because, um, I'm, I'm sure you're at least aware of who he is, but Ian Lane, a guy that yeah. I've, I've coached, I've coached with, and now, now we just stay in contact as much as we can. Actually, not as much as we can. Him and I could do a much better job of staying in contact. And it's more my fault that I that I don't. But Ian and I were texting the other day, and, and he said after listening to the podcast that him and I recorded together, he had like a like another deep reflection uh, session with himself. And he okay. says that he does that like every six months, and every six months he has the same feeling. He's like, 
are you fucking kidding me? Like I was that bad six months ago. Like I thought I was, I thought I was on top of the world six <laughs> oh, months ago and then six months, funny. you know, go by and he realizes like I wasn't shit then. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just funny because, because I, I don't know if enough people go through that reflection process and a big part of it, Colton. And I, and I think that you actually are, are good about doing this is having, having your work on video and, and you're able to actually see what you are doing. And if you don't have mm-hmm. that, that video, you know, of, of a, a just game to game, but season to season or like six months to six months, it's almost impossible to have like a, a real authentic deep reflection process because you don't know if the work that you are doing is even changing mm-hmm. at all. You have this idea in your head that, oh yeah, I'm coaching possession soccer and you know, my, my, my kids are doing these attacking patterns in games and that's just you thinking as a coach, like, oh, I train this at practice. So they're absolutely doing it in games. But if you're not videotaping your training sessions and, and, and actually evaluating your games, you have no clue if that's actually happening. And so right. Ian's, Ian's done a good job of videotaping as much as he can. We used to do the same thing at the high school. We used to record as much as we possibly could. And that was the, to me, that was the biggest, biggest, biggest ingredient, most important ingredient that we, that we could add into those reflection, uh, those reflection moments. And without, yeah. without recording and, and, and evaluating those, those games and sessions, I don't think Ian would be where he is. I don't think I would be where I am. Well, not to say that I'm anywhere special, but um, Ian, Ian definitely is. So, and I and I want to say that that I've seen some of your videos as well, and you've done a good job of, of, you know, trying to trying to capture as much as you possibly can. I'm mm-hmm. curious. It, I'm not making that up, right? <laughs> no, no. It, it, you know, I um, I, I have put a few clips up. I remember while back i put that you know it was whatever i did that thing where you can pin it to your twitter page that just build up sequence from a training session and that was honestly the first time i have looked at um my own girls in training or game have seen them execute something like that and i've thought to myself oh my gosh like i'm we're finally starting to see it um it was, it's, it's cool when you can finally see on video that all your hard work is paying off. Not, not just yours, but the players as well, because they're the ones actually out there playing. Uh, but no, I, that I agree hundred percent. It's a great tool to, and it's a great tool to also expose yourself. Like if you yep. think, if yep. you think you're, I remember a tweet from, I remember a tweet from, uh, and it's incredible that he would, he would say something like this because social media, we like to use it as such a highlight reel, right? But Gabe Kleiner, who also follows 343, tweeted something along the lines of, you know, I thought my team had this identity, but today I, I didn't see it and we were exposed. And I was so impressed by that tweet. And it just goes to show that you can you, you might think you're doing a good job, uh, but you can go back and look at the video and be like, oh, my gosh like uh, so much stuff is wrong with this. Like we, I need to improve so much. I need to improve my delivery so much and we need to do this more. So yeah. Yeah. And something else that I was going to mention real quick, that's helped me uh, kind of session to session and week to week. Once you do the CDNA license, I think they're, since they've implemented the new grassroots courses and the new D license, I think it's across the whole pathway now is that the Federation highly recommends keeping something called a book of experience where you reflect on your training sessions and reflect on your games, uh, not just your training sessions and your games actually, but also the other four tasks altogether, they call it the six tasks of coaching. So also looking at your leadership and your environment, 
just going in, just me going into my, my book, the book of experience I have with me and writing down things that not, not mainly things that I thought went well, but things that I thought did not go well and why they didn't go well. And also, a, and including a plan of action and how I'm going to improve that in the future. And then, like you mentioned about Ian, every couple of months, reflecting on it and seeing if you're actually growing in those areas. So aside from video, the having the book of experience, I think they call it, has really helped me as well. It's it's something that you can steal from other other areas of life, like a you know keeping a journal for for a lot of people is a huge part of their life, and there's. I mean, guys like Tim Ferriss and, and Ryan Holiday and, and some of these high performers in areas of business and um, and kind of creative work, they keep these journals. And these are the things that really spark a lot of their success and a lot of their creativity because they're able to kind of see like, all right, you know, what failed when I tried this two months ago or what can I improve on that, you know, didn't didn't make this work today but can make it work tomorrow and I think that's a big, big, big component that's been missing, not just in in youth soccer, but maybe just sports and life in general. Is that reflection process, especially on a you know a bigger scale, like we're talking you know six six months or you know a year, sitting sitting down to reflect, but on a on a day to day level, like understanding what went wrong and how I can fix it, and what gets tied into that when we talk about soccer specifically is you you absolutely have to have a plan when you go to start the the training session and so if you're not even oh, yeah. planning if you're not even planning um your practices how are you going to reflect on those practices and know what to do better next time and that is a big thing that is missing from I would say the grassroots level or you know the the introductory level recreation level is that a lot of those coaches aren't showing up with a plan at all and yeah. how are they supposed to get any better how are those kids supposed to get any better if the mm-hmm. if the coaches aren't really putting any eff- any effort into that component and once they do okay then how can i make that that planning process and that reflection process better and better and better and better and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and deeper. so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's it's funny you mention that because just to help with my B license application that I'm going to, I'll be applying for a B license here pretty soon. Um, just to help with it. I've done the, I've already done all four new grassroots courses. So I've done the four V four, seven V seven, nine V nine and 11 V 11. And when you sign up for it through the DCC, um, for those of you listening who don't know what the DCC is, U.S. soccer has an online educational platform called the digital coaching center where it's kind of a, it's where your courses are centralized to submit assignments and everything. But anyway, with the when you sign up for the courses to the DCC, coaches are given like eight to ten training sessions for each. So if a coach signs up for the seven v seven, they'll get like like I said, eight or ten training sessions for them to use. And of course, it's the play practice play model. So they give coaches plans, but are they using them? Maybe, maybe not. But I agree. You know, if they're, if you don't have a plan, you're you're in trouble. I'm really curious, Colton, about how you've managed to to combine this three four three methodology that you seem to you know love and have bought into, and now mm-hmm. that USSF is tra- or yeah you know, they, they are they have changed their their coaching uh, courses to kind of a, a, a different. See, I haven't I haven't taken the C course yet, so I don't know exactly right. what to expect. But and, just from what you've sent yeah. me and, and what other people have sent me, it's changed in a good way. Uh, but it's still yeah. a very you know structured uh, 
blueprint, I guess you could say. Um, I'm just curious how, how you've managed to combine those two worlds. So like you said, it, it, it has changed. It's gotten better. I've learned a lot from the C license because, you know, it's not, you just don't go in there and talk about how to deliver the best training session possible. They talk about areas like uh, how you're coaching games, how you lead the player, leading the team, the uh, leadership and managing the performance environment. So though all those encompass the six tasks of coaching. So the courses are designed around, you know, the competence, the competencies of how a C licensed coach, you know, the skill set a C licensed coach should have under the six tasks. And then the B license, you know, what should a B licensed coach be able to do under the six tasks and so on and so forth for the A youth and the A senior. Um, you know, I, I will say this, if I took one of my training sessions and submitted it as an assignment for the C license I took, it would come back with like 20 errors probably and be like, no, this needs to change. This needs to change. Uh, your stage two has to be directional. Uh, your stage three needs to involve a full size goal. So there's so many little details you have to make sure you have in your force in your U S soccer four stage training session plan that I go there and I don't have to be completely different, but I just have to do things their way. And because, you know, they have their framework, they know how things want to be done. So you have to do things their way and the teaching as well. You are, I mean, in my C license, we had, there were, there were two fields adjacent to each other, touchline to touchline, maybe 10 yards away. And they had a high pod, two high pods set up, one watching one field, the other watching the other. And you were mic'd up. Uh, you just had a wireless uh, kind of a body mic clicked That's on a scary your... moment. <laughs> oh, you, you're telling me. So I actually, I, I made it a point to go first because I just wanted to kind of take the rest of the time to sit around and well, not sit around because you have to participate. That was another thing. They didn't have players. So we all had to play for like three hours and it was, oh man, the muscles <laughs> after, after you're done. But anyway, getting back on track, um, where was I? So they're, they, they film you and they mic you up and the next day you go in with your instructor one-on-one -on -one before everyone else gets there and you take 15 minutes to watch yourself. And I actually did pretty well. The only thing my instructor said is next time I need to tuck in my shirt, but he thought my teaching oh, was really my. good. <laughs> yeah. He thought, he thought my teaching was really good. He, you know, he thought my stoppages were well, or were, were good. Uh, the big thing they, a big thing they talk about is getting in and getting out. So when you freeze, when you freeze the moment, can you talk about what's not right? can you paint a picture for them? So can you actually have them make um, the pass or the run or something, whatever you want to be seen unopposed while the other team is still frozen and then you let it go um, and you, and you rewind it and let them recreate that moment. So that's kind of their, that's kind of what you have to do. And uh, I did well with the practice portion. Uh, it's just kind of a practice run. You don't get graded on it when you're there, but everyone has to deliver a stage two and a stage three. And then you have your development period, which is six to eight weeks off uh, to do a few assignments. You come back, you do your final and that's it. But, you know, I have I taken some of my or have I made training sessions using the U.S. soccer guide? Yes, uh, but most I'm kind of sprinkling in the the three, four, three flavor, my own flavor and a little bit of a USSF's flavor to kind of deliver something that I think works for my players in my environment. I think, I think what you're, what you're saying though is, is super important because not everybody's going to fit into those, those lines where 
U.S. soccer kind of wants everybody to operate in. That's kind of in a way, I I feel like just our regular you know education system. So you know, there's like a college course, for instance, and mm-hmm. you know you know what you have to do in order to pass that college course. But once you get into real life, you know not not everything is going to go the the way that the college course or your college mm-hmm. experience prepared you for right so you're gonna have to figure out other ways to make things work and in a lot of ways you you have to learn or you have to figure out a way to you know pass that c course or b course or a course that fits into their guidelines but when you Mm -hmm. go back to your club yeah you have to be yourself you have to you have you have to have your own flavor and if you're going to try to fake it and and you're going to try to you know fit in this box that u.s soccer wants you to fit in you're you're gonna fail if that's not who you really are, or what you really believe in, and so yep. I I really really it's it pains me sometimes to see the coaches that really try to follow those rules and fit inside that box that U.S. Soccer box because I can see that they don't it's it's not in their soul that's not who they are that's not what they want to be doing, and it just it kills me when I see that because it takes. It sucks all the life out of a training session. That's when it starts to feel like work, like real, like a real just, you know, day job where you don't want to be there. And it, the kids right. pick up on it. The parents pick up on it. Everybody picks up on it. And so what you're saying, I think, is absolutely 100% correct, where you take you take the stuff from USSF that fits with your vision, that fits with you, that works with you. You sprinkle that in. You take whatever works from 343, maybe maybe you know, it's only half or maybe it's 75% or 25% of the stuff that you learn from 343. But you take that and you add it into your stuff and then you make up the rest on your own maybe. But whatever it is, it just, it has to be authentic and you have to believe in it. And then what you said earlier is, is you have to do it over and over and over and over and over again and refine and, and, and refine your delivery, refine the message, refine everything. Right. And mm-hmm. I guess the, 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 final thought from from that in my head is is don't try to fit into that box and think that you have to stay in that box because it, that's that's not the right place for everybody absolutely yep i 100 percent agree um i remember i think a lot of people because they had when i the c course i took was you know quote unquote the new one one of the first new ones so the very first night we had to bring a training session in with us that because we we were told one of our pre-course assignments we were told to watch the u14 new york red bulls play charlotte soccer academy and analyze the the trends and the patterns and for new york red bulls build up and then identify a weakness and make a training session of it so that's the training session we brought with us on night one and the instructors had already looked at it through the dcc so when we got there they knew they had their feet their feedback ready for us and i remember you know, the course had 36 guys total in it. I remember all 36 of us like spread out in the hotel lobby with our laptops, making changes to it because it was, it just didn't follow the new guideline, you know, the new four stage lesson plan. It's like, it's called, you know, your warm up phase, your orientation phase, your learning phase and your implementation phase. And much of the, much of it is similar to how it used to be, where it used to be warm up, small sided, expanded, small sided and game. But all the little details that they wanted us to include, um, you know, we were, it was surprising. So one of the things that I've heard about the new C course or the new courses in general, and 
I'm going to hate myself for using this term, but it, it's it's like the instructors are, are doing some sort of like a guided discovery with the participants of the course. So it's not like they're giving you the answers or telling you the answers. It's a lot of like questions, like kind of to get the coaches to think about how they would do something in certain situations without really being mm -hmm. told if that's right or wrong. Is that the experience that you had? You know, I, that I remember one lecture vividly that that's what I took away from it, but I don't, and I'll, I'll expand on it. It was the periodization lecture where they are following at least what I took from it. They're following Raymond Verheyen's model. And that's and also, that's what the uh, instructor for that particular structure instructor for that lecture referenced a lot. And, you know, we were shown the PowerPoint, we were given a small group assignment, like all after all lectures, we, we were, we were given a small group assignment on it. And, you know, I just left, like, I have so many questions, but it's time to move into the next thing already. Um, so I was, I actually reached out to that instructor after the course and asked him for the PowerPoint and also asked him a few questions and he helped me out. But, you know, as far as that guided discovery approach goes, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's good to let coaches um, take the information and apply it how they see fit. But, you know, I, I remember from that periodization lecture, particularly that I'm like, okay, we need to spend more time on this 45 minutes isn't enough. So that's something that just popped in my head when you mentioned that. Yeah, that's, that's a good point too, because 45 minutes or seven days or three months, it's not enough. And, and there's mm -hmm. no, there's no type of like timeline that anybody should think like, oh my gosh, I'm going to magically understand all this stuff just because I took the C course or just because I took the B course or something yep. like there's, there's work that goes into that. And it, it, if you're doing your job properly as a coach, your, your work is never done. And mm -hmm. you shouldn't, you shouldn't expect to, you know, come out of a seven day course and be some sort of wizard on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just, I, I, I want to know more about how or what th about 343 specifically is, you know, really kind of capturing your attention or something that you feel like you're spending more and more time on at this moment yeah. with, especially now that you're in kind of like this new role where you're, you're going into a brand new, pretty much just a, a brand new experience. Mm -hmm. So one thing from the methodology that is stuck with me or two things. One is if you want players to adopt a behavior, you cannot just throw them into a small sided game or even a game where they have a plus two or plus three numerical advantage play the ball in and say, okay, go and give your coaching points in the flow or freezes or whatever. Like you have to, if you want them to adopt a behavior or adapt a behavior, you have to rehearse and you have to choreograph. And when I, like I said, when I first heard that from Brian in the Brian in the introductory course, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Seeing his, uh, at the time, Chivas players doing their building out of the back choreography. And then all of a sudden that changing to a game clip where they are doing that and they are having success and they are able to, you know, break lines into the midfield or pull the opponent out of shape, whatever it works. And that's one thing that I've taken and not just in the form of building out of the bag, but also in the attacking patterns and even in the defensive moment of the game, uh, running through 
rehearsed movements on how our how we press when we're defending in the attacking third or how we defend as a block and where all players need to be to keep our you know horizontal and vertical compactness in the mid in the middle third of the field when we're defending so the benefits of rehearsing these things is huge you see it translate to the game and it helps your team uh and the other thing just the not just the rondos and the small ones like 4v or 4v1 and 3v1 which i stick to all the time but also how you can teach uh kind of your game your principles or your sub principles from your game model by using positional games right or positional rondos uh, so I, I use the, I have found ways to use the, uh, positional rondos in phase one of three, four, three to teach my players certain things. And I've also made my own positional games to kind of teach whatever principle or sub principle we're working on in a, a given week plan. So those are the two big things, man, positional games and, uh, kind of the rehearsing and the choreography have benefited massively with my teams and my own development as a coach because I stick with them and stick with them and stick with them. And my delivery gets better. Um, each time I do it, I feel that's, that's badass, dude. I'm actually probably going to steal that and use it as like a recommendation. Um, so I hope you, I hope you don't mind your voice is going to get blasted no. other, <laughs> other places too. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. You said that you did the, that you first saw it in the introductory course. So did you sign up for the free course first? Yeah, so for the for like the longest time, well not the longest time, maybe a few months, I was just following Gary on Twitter and I loved like his statements and his stance on things and I just remember uh sending him a direct message asking him some question completely unrelated to the coaching membership and he he replied and he's like, "Dude, do you not know about all of our work?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah about it and i'm like well yeah I, i've been to the website and he goes oh man you got to sign up for the free coaching course and so i did i was blown away and then you know it was no brainer i i uh i got the premium membership and uh so yeah that's where i'm at <laughs> that's funny i i i should probably actually go back and find and then release some of the first emails that i ever sent gary because they're they're atrocious but uh <laughs> like i remember asking him a question about my my girls, man, what they would have been U15 or U16 at the time. I can't remember. But I'm like, hey, like, where do you think I should play this player? And it's like, who the fuck am I to be asking some dude that doesn't know anything about my teams or anything, <laughs> you know, for recommendations on how I should play and what formations? Like, now, like, mm -hmm. I've, I've, you know, come a long way. And like, yeah, there's no possible way that an outsider can give you advice from, you know, the magical world of the internet is he's not going to know what to tell me about my personal teams. Right. Oh man. So funny. I need to go back and I, I should, I should release it. That'd be a, like, you just said a second ago, like an insider, like you're getting the insider uh, view of me messing mm -hmm. up on the podcast. Like that would be ultimate insider view of me messing up just in coaching in general. That's funny. <laughs> I, you know, I often see your comments when I go back through the forums and things like that, or, or blog posts on the website, I oh, often see uh, <laughs> your comments from like 2013 or 2014, maybe even sooner, probably sooner than that. Earlier. But, uh, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's John from like five years ago. <laughs> well, what's funny. I've never really talked about it, but like the way that I, even kind of got into, you know, maybe, maybe even got onto Gary's radar is that I kind of took it upon myself to be like the manager of the comment section when it was just a blog. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, sparked me to do that, but you know, people would ask a question 
And now that I know Gary's, you know, his habits and, and why he does or does not do certain things, um, it, it, it makes a little bit more sense to me, but you know, I, I would see that Gary hadn't responded. So I would respond and like, who am I to respond, you know, in 2011 when I didn't know, you know, jack shit about half of this stuff. Right. And so here right. I am just, you know, throwing in my two cents and, you know, as I started to kind of go down and watch Brian and his players train, I was getting a better idea of what they were actually writing and writing about. And then the videos that they were actually showing, like I, I was understanding more and more what was going into it. And so I was able to respond in a much more clear and I think accurate way. And that just kept, I think it just kept improving, improving, improving. And I've never, I don't, I can't remember if I've talked about this either, like how I actually started the podcast, but there, I never asked Gary for permission to make it like the three, four, three podcast. I just one day just changed my podcast, which I had been recording and I just started calling it the three, four, three podcast. And then it just stuck. Like I never asked oh. for permission. He never said yes. It was pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> so Cause I started, I, I remember my first time, you know, when I first started listening to the podcast, it was like, uh, I think one of the first episodes I listened to was when you, did your first interview with Eric Winalda and he was actually sitting in his car uh -huh. he, like in his garage or something. Like I remember that was the very first one I had listened to. And then, uh, I don't know. Like, I remember a kid with the Leicester city Academy, but that was when Kyle I Gruner. first got on. Yeah. Yeah. That was when I first got on board. So yeah, that Eric Winalda episode was pretty funny because I remember, so that's before I had a microphone. That's, you know, I would literally just talk to my computer. So whatever the built-in uh, microphone on, on, let's see, that would have been my iMac when I talked with Eric. And then I had computer speakers. So when Eric was talking back to me, I just had my speakers aimed at that same microphone built into my computer. And that's how oh, it was recorded. Okay. So it's absolute, just atrocious audio. But um, I remember my dad was in town and I told him I was going to be interviewing Eric. And so he, he was like kind of interested and he's like, Oh, like I've never, you know, listened to any of your podcasts or anything before. So I told him to, to just sit there when, when I recorded, I was like, but you can't like, you can't make noise. Like don't do anything. Cause if you move, you know, the microphone's going to pick it up. <laughs> and so I remember mm -hmm. he laid, he laid on the bed that was next to my desk and he just, he laid there, man, I think Eric and I talked for an hour and a half and my dad lay there like a corpse. Like he didn't, he didn't move, <laughs> he didn't move one inch. <laughs> oh man. That's so funny. yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. And then, and then after that, like he started, my, my dad started to kind of understand, you know, what I was actually doing when I said I, I host a, a radio show and he's like, Oh, okay, yeah. that makes, that makes sense then. But now it's, <laughs> now it's a lot different. Now I have yeah. like all these wires and cords and microphones and all kinds of crap in front of me. Super funny. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, to, to go back to that, I need, I, I should, I should go back and I should look at some of those older emails I sent Gary, like our initial interactions. I think that'd be funny for people to see. And yeah, yeah even going back, Gary and I actually talk about this quite a bit about the forums inside of the three, four, three membership that, you know, that those are, it, it's a gold mine for people that haven't, the members that haven't gone through and looked back at some of the original stuff that got posted. Oh man. Yeah. Because some of the questions that got posted when, when the membership started five years ago now are the same questions that new coaches have today. And there are mm -hmm. some just absolutely amazing answers provided by, by other coaches and, and amazing resources that are still super valuable today as just as they were five years ago. And so those, those forums are, if, if you were to spend time mining the forums and mining the old, uh, 
with old blog posts for the comment section. Oh my mm. gosh. Like there's, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of, of value in doing that. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll have to do that. It's something that Gary and I talk about often. We actually just, we talked about it on the phone last night at like 1030 at night. So uh-huh. it's, uh, it's something I want to spend more time. I, w- I want to get back in there and, and, and just see what people are talking about. Cause I, I honestly, I, I don't spend much time in there as, I used to, I used to be a fiend for it. I, that's why I used to wake up and do in the mornings and right before I went to bed at night. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've progressed a little bit. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what's, I mean, one thing that you kind of came into this podcast wanting to talk about or something that maybe we haven't, we haven't hit on yet that you would, you know, like listeners to, to hear. Um, gee, I don't know. I, I remember you wanting to, talk about you know my c-course experience for a little bit and you sent me the question last night about you know going into some things how i've evolved as a coach but uh those are the two things that i I was prepared to talk about but if you want to go in any sort of direction that's that's cool with me yeah Uh, i'm I'm just curious i guess i'm just curious like if you maybe like have like a message or any or anything for another young coach that's you know trying to pursue a similar path that you have been on or that you are on or maybe mm-hmm. just somebody that you know is on the fence about becoming a three four three member, or somebody that is, you know, just just trying to find just trying to find their footing in this sure. you know, American coaching landscape. So anyone out there who's on the fence about becoming a three four three member, jump over that fence and do it <laughs> because it, it, it is it, John. It has been the best. Uh, it has been the best source of education for my own development. Um, and yeah, I, I will, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say about three, four, three and being able to actually see Brian's work on the training fields and in the games, uh, come to life. So three, four, three, incredible resource, uh, young coaches out there. If you want to make a career out of this, whether, whatever you've heard about the licensing pathway, good, bad, horrible, great. It's, it's necessary. You know, you have to go through, get, get your licenses uh, if you want to make a career out of this, because clubs, they, they you know, you can, unfortunately, the, the way it is, you can provide video of your work and say, um, you know, I'm doing these good things. Here it is. I can prove it. But a lot of clubs will just say, well, but you don't have the minimum license we're seeking. Sorry. So I learned really quickly that getting the licenses is absolutely necessary. Um, aside from that, that is not the end all be all in your, in your own development as a coach, um, just go at it. You need to go at it every single day. Like I, (laughs) I live and breathe this game and coaching, man. Like it's, it's, uh, it's what I've dedicated my life to and what I will continue to do. And if you want to make it, especially with someone like me that has no pedigree or background as a professional player, it needs to be 24, seven, 365, like all or nothing. And I've, and I'm, and I'm all in. So that's if, in a nutshell, that's what I have to say to young coaches. Yeah, man. Like my, like myself, I'm not like, I'm only 24 years old. So I, I, I feel very lucky to be given this DOC role and I'm sure there's other DOCs or maybe technical directors out there my age or even younger. So, um, if there are, I'd love to be connected with those people through Twitter or anything like that. I love engaging with people on Twitter. Where, where can people, where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, yeah. So on Twitter, it's just at Colton Bly, uh, C O L T O N B L Y. I find people often ask me how to spell Bly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, Twitter is definitely the best way. Um, 
like do I said, you, I love talking to people on Twitter. So what, what's up? Do you have a, like a YouTube or, or a website where people can see some videos from your, from your previous work? Yes, but Twitter is probably the best place to find them. Uh, whatever, however you do it on Twitter, you can just go over under someone's media and video tab or whatever it's called and see their work. So you can find some, some of my work posted there, but I want to, um, in the near future, it's already been created, but we're BC United. We're going to have a, a YouTube channel where I want to upload things consistently, not just to uh, get our name out there and a mark from like a marketing thing to attract new players and partner clubs, but also just to showcase our work. Uh, we want to be able, a lot of clubs say, you know, we have the best environment for your kid, but we want to be able to actually prove it. So yeah, in the future, be on the lookout for uh, the BC United YouTube channel. I'll, I'll be sure to, and, you know, announce things on my own Twitter account where people can go and watch. So yeah, those are probably the best ways to uh, stay connected with me and the work we're doing. All right, brother. Why well, I appreciate you uh, making some time for us and to tell your story. And, and I'm sure that people are going to get a, get a lot of uh, good information about how you've kind of walked that line of being a three, four, three, and then the USSF course or pathway as well. So I think that's super valuable yeah. information for people to hear. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, John. I, I really enjoyed it. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. Thank you to... 343 member Colton Bly for coming on the show and talking a little bit about his stories and his experiences. I hope you guys got a kick out of that. I plan to do a few more episodes similar to what Colton and I uh, just recorded. And if you like that, you can find more episodes and future episodes of this podcast on 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 34 and 3 coaching, all spelled out, dot com. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the benefits of becoming a 343 Coaching Education member because that is what helps support and develop and sustain this podcast. And I would be super appreciative if you joined us and became part of our crew. And here is actually a little message from somebody that is part of our crew, Tom Byer. Some of you guys might recognize his name. He actually signed up and went through our free course. And here's what Tom had to say about it. And I can tell you, after someone who's done a lot of coaches' education, both as a student as an instructor, that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I like about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity, man. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how to, how to develop, um, not just, you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. All right. With that, we will, uh, end today's episode and we will catch you guys next time here on the three, four, three podcast. All right. See ya.